0: Hi, Dan. Happy Friday.
1: Yes, happy Friday to you, Friday the
0: 13th. It is. <laughs> I actually didn't even notice that until just now. It'll all go well. Yeah, it'll go, It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. Dan, you're the national multimedia studio manager for Leo Burnett's in Sydney. Leo is at such an iconic agency, which I believe started in New York during the depression.
1: Yeah. I- so I think he, he he originally kicked it off, I think it was 1935 yeah. in in Chicago and then, yeah, turned up on Madison Avenue not long after. Um, and,
0: and how how does it feel to work for an agency with such a long history and strong creative genes like that?
1: It's good. I suppose it's funny because, you know, I came from, I, I did work in bigger, bigger sort of agencies and then I went and worked at a bunch of smaller ones. Um, but I think probably... The thing that stands out about Leo Burnett is probably the, the people, more so than like the history is, you know, it's a rich history that everybody kind of knows about. Um, but I think it's the like the people that are there currently, um, that's the that's the real sort of goal that's there, I think.
0: And so what was your personal creative journey that led you to working for Leo's?
1: Um, I started off... Sort of straight out of college, I got a job at Cleminger. Um, so I was working out of Clems as a studio junior. Um, I had a lovely studio manager, um, Jodie Holmes, who I still see to this day. Um, and she was she was a really good boss. Um, and I was, I was not a great employee, and she really, <laughs> she really steered me right. Um, Big
0: shout out to her then.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was great. Everyone there was great, actually. Her and Andy Atkinson. Um, and Baz Beckley, there's, there's three really good people. But, um, yeah, I started off there and I was there for about four years, I think, four or five years, um, and just got, like, a real taste of what a big agency was like. Um, and then, obviously, you know, with big agencies and especially Clems, Clems tended back then to sort of, it was the tail end of kind of the advertising golden age where there was, you know, long lunches and, you know, a bar fridge that you could just sort of access kind of whenever. Yeah, um, I missed
0: I miss the 90s.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that sort of evaporated. And then I went and worked at some smaller places. So, um, you know, like sort of packaging places and point of sale places um, as a designer slash finished artist. Um, and I suppose they're kind of the jobs where you kind of cut your teeth on being a, being a designer. You kind of figure out what works and what doesn't work. Um, but I think ultimately I just kind of realized I wasn't a particularly good designer. I was fine, but I was never going to be a great designer. Um, So yeah. So then um, job popped up. I sort of moved back into FA when I came to Leo Burnett Um, and that was nice because, you know, like, you know, um, sort of very, very high quality um, product that they sort of put out there. They're working on premium brands. It was nice to go from, you know, doing some, you know, stuff that sort of no one would see to stuff that everyone would see and would kind of follow you around. Um, but, yeah, came back to Leo Burnett and then kind of moved into that studio manager role and then now looking after the guys in Sydney and the guys in Melbourne. So um, that's kind of it. Here
0: Very you are. Quickly. Yeah. what? Am. So what does a national multimedia studio manager do exactly?
1: It just means, so I suppose what we've kind of identified is um, we've got talent in, and and this is partly because of the pandemic, but um, everyone working at home, we realised that there's no real two offices. There's a nice Sydney office and a Melbourne office. It's kind of the one agency with two doors. Um, So why not? leverage everybody's skill sets and and pile them all together. So I suppose the, the national part is there's just guys in Melbourne and there's guys in Sydney. Um, and the multimedia part is we've worked really hard with the guys to make um, everyone kind of integrated. So we've got we don't we no longer have print people or digi people. We have just people that can do a bit of everything. <laughs> and that doesn't mean you do everything perfect. Um, you know, like we've got we, we do have people that can, but um, for the most part, you just need to be proficient enough in each discipline that you can kind of get through the day. So um, we've got in my team, we've got sort of three FAs that can do print, um, animated out of home, digital banners. Um, and then we've got guys that can, got front-end dev, a dedicated front-end dev, another bloke who's pretty good at doing a bit of everything, including a little bit of coding. Um, retouches, um, and then like pure designers. So there's a team of, team of eight in total that sort of knock around and get everything done.
0: So by multimedia then, just so I understand you, you just mean that it's the, the unicorn that we're asked to go to market to find all the time that literally can work across every medium.
1: Yeah, that's kind of it. And look, I think the thing is, what we sort of realised, and I was from a print background, and we kind of realised that that stuff was disappearing. So mm. the biggest hurdle was getting the print guys up to up to speed. Um, and I suppose the way we did that was we just invested time in them. So mm. we just found those opportunities where they could work on something that was relatively simple and then it became more complex. And before you know it, you've got print people who are... Better builders and under, mm. understand how to get in there and play with After Effects, um, mm. and it kind of began to future-proof them as well. Because I think the reality is, if you if you have good talent, you know they're not going to stay forever. And when they leave you, you kind of want them to go off and find a role where they're going to be happy and that they're they're going to be able to continue to succeed. So, um, yeah, that's what we've that's what we've sort of aimed to do, and so it's far not- we've been successful.
0: Does multimedia include motion designers, animators, videographers? Yeah, like so we've everything. also
1: got yeah, so we've also got a content team um, connect, and I used to be a bigger part of that, not so much now. Um, and those guys, that was video editors, content creators, animators. Um, we've got those guys as well.
0: The big job that you you have
1: yeah it it can be i think (laughs) i think the thing that makes it um it's it's made easier by the people we've got so um i've got a good team and i think we've built that relationship now where we all kind of trust each other and we're all happy to help each other um so yeah at times it can be a big job um but for the most part it's an enjoyable
0: one (laughs) I'm curious about the sort of tech that you might use to run the projects through your studio. Is there anything that you've implemented in the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, we use, so from a resourcing point of view, um, we use Trello. Um, Mm. And then I I myself sort of keep a Google Doc where I keep track of hours spent on jobs and, you know, what everybody's doing. Um, But then I suppose the the most recent thing we've been using, to share work is Zyflow. So I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's an online platform to share your work and mark up your work and you can share it with your clients and they can they can see what you're doing. Um, that's probably, we're in the infancy of that, but I think that'll be our, our big game changer in, in terms of getting feedback and sharing work
0: sure, um, what's and finding
1: it efficiencies there. Zyflow.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I suppose Trello is the one that we sort of live in. Um
0: we do the same. We love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's it's funny, like my my partner, she runs a team as well and she she works in Monday and she Mondays and she looks at it and she's like, oh it's not as pretty. But um you know, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's just one of those things. I don't mind it.
0: Like having a look around the website and um it basically described, describes the agency as a humankind behaviour change company. T- tell us what that means exactly and what it means for you.
1: I suppose, like, the the big thing is it's it's that push to sort of move away from being, a, a, for lack of a better term, a heartless advertising agency. Um, and I think the, the humankind part of Leo Burnett is they want to create um, ideas that change people's behaviours. So there's the, um, you know, the, the quote, what helps people helps business is something that sort of echoes through Leo Burnett. So it's about creating ideas and using technologies that are going to make people's lives better. Um, that's, the, that's the big goal with, with ideas that they do. And that's not to say that there's not, you know, stuff where it's, for lack of a better term, churn and burn. Um, because there is stuff that's just not going to have that lens across it. But for those for those opportunities where there is um, the opportunity to put that lens across it, that's that's what our creative department does. Um, they have a sliding scale that you've probably also seen on the website. Yeah, I do. And they kind of, yeah. And so they've got um they've got that the GPC that they sort of work to and they try and aim for that sweet spot of around, you know, seven and ideally an eight ball, which is like a you know, a uh, behaviour-changing, um, world-changing idea. So that's kind of where the guys, they, they put that lens across all their ideas and they aim for that sweet spot.
0: Yeah, it's really smart. Um, yeah. Multimedia, I think it's an area that we've witnessed exponential growth in particular in the last, I would say, seven years. Um, what roles have been the game changers, do you think, and where where is it headed?
1: I think where it's headed is automation. That's that's kind of the thing that we we see, um, and it's we probably need to catch up a little bit there. But I think automation is where it's going to be. It's having um, creative that can sort of change depending on so many factors, um, and I, and yeah, I don't I, I don't know the the roles, I suppose. It, it comes down to dev, right? So it's um it's having people that can actually build the stuff and having creative teams that understand it, which is yeah. um, which is probably probably that nice little Goldilocks zone that you need to get to a a, a dev that understands creatives and creatives that understand a dev. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's kind of where it's heading. Um, yeah, automation.
0: Absolutely. So, what are the skills of a multimedia designer? What traits do they? have to have over and above what a more traditional print designer would have?
1: It's, I, f- I feel like it's pretty similar, right? Um, I've found that um, people from a print background kind of adapt to, to other forms of media maybe a little bit quicker than sort of digi designers going back the other way. And I think it's mostly because print people have lived in a world of specs and spec sheets sort of all their life so I suppose it's the same stuff that we sort of pop up like you want you want to design eye you want to design for you want an eye for detail um, and then you, and it sounds terrible to say you want to be like pixel perfect so um, you want to be right there in the details making sure things are like spot on um, and then I suppose it's Beyond that, it's kind of having the attitude that it's not going to be right the first time. I think that's probably the, the thing we see from, from new starters that makes them most successful is realising, the quicker you realise that stuff is never going to be right when you first do it. Or even if a design looks perfect the first time, it, it's not going to be perfect. Someone's going to, you know, someone's going to want that red part blue. It's, I suppose that's the stuff that we... We see as making someone successful, being able to get knocked down and get up and do it again. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of it. It's it's it, it really is eye for detail, um, resilience, and and you know willingness to actually work on yourself and learn. Um, that's that's probably the big one. Um, we all want to be employable for as long as possible, so you've got to continue to want to learn things.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. you're working in a very creative environment um and you know agency land is often not for the faint-hearted do you feel that the pressures stifle or actually enhance the creative thinking
1: it's it's interesting right because i I probably don't have too much to do with that creative thinking Um, and it's more—it's more the creatives themselves, so your art directors and copywriters that are probably feeling that pressure. Um, but I suppose from what I observe, they—they they kind of feed off each other, so there is like that camaraderie where they're all sort of in the trenches trying to make good work together. Um, yeah, I don't—I don't know. It, I suppose the way it, the way it would affect us um, in the studio is you. You often want to, you don't want technical ability to get in the way of a good idea. So it, it's about giving your creative teams what they want um, and getting what's in their heads out on paper or up on a screen. Um, that's probably the pressure more than more than actually um, coming up with the creative concepts. Um, and I think, I, I feel like we get there most of the time. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably that's probably the way I'd answer that, I think. It's just, yeah, the, the pressure is more so on that on those creative teams. They're, they're, they're the ones in an agency that are taking all the hits. That's for
0: sure. And there's strategy. There's plenty of well. us, there's plenty of us that work, you know, that do our best work under pressure. Um, how, how do you keep yourself updated and, and creatively relevant with modern design trends? You and your team.
1: I'm personally pretty terrible at this, um, and I suppose, and I suppose that's look. And one of the things I've realised is since moving into more of a manager role rather than a design role, and I know that we put on all different hats at all time oh. times, but um, I think for, for myself, the things I look for in design is just like kind of like the laws of design and, and I look at you know I think is there a good alignment is there a good contrast in your design have we got hierarchy within your design um we look at is it balanced and there's some symmetry but is there also like a little bit of tension with that balance I think it's like those old sort of rules that you kind of can put across any design and you know designers will probably roll their eyes when I say this but I think the, the look and feel changes, um, but I think, like, the rules kind of stay the same. Um, and it's similar with typography as well. Um, you know, you, you can pretty quickly look at something and realise whether it looks correct or not. And admittedly, I think, um, I think care in type is slowly sort of sadly disappearing a little bit. Um, like, you know, the days of having typographers in an agency is kind of gone. Um, but I think that's kind of for me what I look for in design, but the guys themselves, um yeah, they're, they're very clued up. There's lots of, there's lots of Adobe um, talks that go on that people are watching. There's lots of blogs now. Um, there's so much stuff on Instagram that people follow. It's there's, there's plenty of places to get your, your design sort of fix. Um, but yeah, I, I really just concentrate on making sure that the guys are good and the work's getting done and, um, and that we're, we're working well. Um, I, I do neglect my own my own design research.
0: <laughs> I, uh, Leo Bennett is, you know, they're, they're renowned for, for producing some iconic campaigns um, over the years. What are the projects that you're most proud of and why?
1: there's there's probably two and the the first one you've probably seen or it's, it's starting to win quite a few awards and that's um Suncorp One House um so that really is like everything that they talk about with humankind thinking um One House really sort of um epitomizes that it's it's really an idea um that Goes about making things better for people so if you haven't seen it it's um the the guys went away and they sort of found a way to make an indestructible house that combats all of you know Australia's weather issues so you know it's fire resistant it's flood resistant it's hurricane proof and oh sorry cyclone proof and it's you know it, you can you can hit it with anything and it kind of stands up and and it'll still be there at the end and I think with, you know sort of our changing climate that sort of thinking is really cool and it's really nice to see a brand like suncorp take it take a punt on something like that um and the creatives like um marika spain and eric they did it um sorry yeah spain yeah um, and eric they did an awesome job on it um like really good thinking and then you know all the way through the agency like um strat guys the suits for selling it all in the producers for making it that that campaign is awesome and, you know, it's been, it's been rewarded. Um, and then the other one that's probably less well-known is um, a job done by two of our junior creatives, um, Megan and Dan, who worked on a job um, for Mindaroo Foundation, and it was about the exploitation of young women. And that was just, um, it's if you haven't seen it, have a look. It's a little bit touching. Um, and it was just, I don't know, it's just awesome when you see young creatives do something cool um so that that was a nice one I I they're probably the two campaigns that sort of jump out at me and I'm like oh that's that's nice and I'm and I'm happy to have like a very small part in those so yeah those two
0: and it's nice to hear of the um the gender diversity in that team it's a it's a hot topic at the moment um, with our clients um, looking for that gender diversity, which is still really difficult in um, agency land, um, but mm. looking around at your senior management team, it's a fairly even split.
1: Yeah, yeah, we've got lots. Mm. I think Leo Burnett has always, well, since I've been there, it's always seemed to have a pretty even split. Um, you know, like we've got we've got women in very high high power roles you've got um Emma as our CEO and you've got Kath as our head of strategy and you know we've got Casey T our CFO and you've got um Amanda running Suncorp and yeah we've got it's it is really quite even um and you know before that we had Melinda Melinda was running the company for 30 something years so um it's really really strong and I, sh- oh, and I, sh- I shouldn't forget um Kate down in Melbourne as well so there's lots and lots (laughs) there's lots and lots of women and look I will say as a um as a father to a little girl and you know um partner to a to a very um what's a nice way of describing Ange strong as a (laughs) um of a strong woman it's really good to see that um and it doesn't you know, it, it doesn't happen by accident. It's because they put in the work um, and they, you know, they, they really, all those people are good leaders um, and that's, you know, reflected in their teams and the work they do. Um, but, yeah, the gender split at Leo Burnett is very, very even.
0: Yeah, it is. No, look, it's a, it's, yeah. a credit. it's a credit to the business for sure. Dan, it's been wonderful spending time with you today. Thank you so much.
1: No, thanks for having me. Hopefully, I didn't bore you too much or talk
0: too no, much. No, no, it was very, very interesting. And I'm going to go and have a look at that second campaign because I haven't seen that one. I'd seen the first one, but not the second one. I'm going to yeah, do that grab now. Your tissues. Yeah. You might. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Look, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and um, we'll talk again soon. No, thank you. you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.